If you're listening to this as a podcast, welcome to the Myth Makers podcast. This is a live episode uh, recorded on Clubhouse. Me in Los Angeles and Adam in... Panama, the uh, petty Panama. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, so this is a we won't well, we can't say bi coastal. This is a uh, international. Uh, this is podcast. international certainly, and I still haven't worked out actually if Panama, like where South America, it's obviously clearly Central America, right? But technically speaking, is it the North American continent? Like, does that start at the top of Colombia, basically the bottom of Panama, or is that? Are we officially in South America now? I haven't. I haven't actually figured that out. That yet. is a very good question. I I I feel like it's an you're... easy one to solve, but you know, <laughs> I done the thirty-eight seconds required. This is like a, a Google search away, or a a, a, a trip to a, a trip to a map away to answer this question. Yes, but it's confusing me. So you know, it's kind of this is. I feel like this is one of those things that you just kind of enjoy the not knowing exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a certain kind of pleasantry to just mm-hmm. not quite knowing exactly where you are. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yes, indeed. So, an international edition of the podcast, and uh, Adam had an idea for a topic tonight, which I really like a lot, and I think there's a lot for us to touch on in this. So, uh, do you want to kind of tee that up and talk a little bit about Absolutely. what the, the main topic is here? Yeah, so, you know, we've obviously, Macroverse is very much set up, our company is very much set up as a, you know, a multimedia company. We've done a lot of work, obviously, in the comic space, but also in the chat fiction and live action filming and animation and um, audio kind of fiction or fictional audio space so you know fictional podcast basically yes and a crucial part of that of course is is casting and then directing actors um doing voiceovers and it's a very it's different to dealing with them live in a funny way because often you're remote especially in the last year of course we've been almost fully remote with, yeah. the, with the actors um and that has poses its own kind of interesting challenges but also incredibly, just an incredible amount of fun. I mean, it's just, it's great dealing with good actors, redoing, reading fun scripts and discovering stuff as you go. And I think it's one of the most kind of enjoyable parts of creating anything for media. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Uh, I completely agree. And I think I'm glad you said uh, casting and directing because I was going to mm-hmm. start off by saying that I think, you know, certainly in, in my my experience and take on it is that the casting is 90% of the job. Um, God, and, yes. and then, you know, working with wonderfully talented people who bring their own creative uh, choices and expression to the characters that we're working on and working with. Um, just, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things that I think is really hard to explain to somebody, but it's like when the right person has the right role, it just is kind of magic just clicks yes um yes. and it's it's amazing like when we first started doing this i just i was amazed how quickly uh you know even getting uh, auditions from people just the instant like you know two seconds of like yes or no oh, like this is the right yeah. person this mm-hmm. is the wrong person and and sometimes you'll get a maybe but more often than not it's a you know the no's especially are just instant 
Um, yes. You know, just instantly not the right person. And I think, you know, I've heard different actors talk about this and maybe we can coax your lovely wife to chime in about this as at some point. But um, I w- I've heard different actors talk about, you know, in the audition process, you know, having to kind of juggle the 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 emotionality of kind of going in for different roles and you know kind of i guess maybe realizing that as well that you know no matter how great of a job you do there are some parts that are just not going to be seen as the right part um and and then you know and then the flip side of that where you know i think we've, we've seen this a few times and you hear stories of like oh not at all what i was imagining but oh man this person brought something to this that elevated it or changed it in a way that um you know just feels totally right on and more interesting and like a different way to go yeah yeah no and i think at that point it's worth i think i definitely want to get me artist take on this well from kind of other side of the table so to speak um because i i remember a conversation between two friends uh daniel sarone and jeff yeager yes. um so jeff is an actor and has been around for a long time as a kind of acclaimed actor out of Yale um, and Daniel Saron is a writer friend of ours um, of all sorts of TV shows uh, that you've, you've heard of and are very familiar with and a wonderful conversation with the two of them that we were out at the party kind of one night where it was actually the precise reverse of what you would have imagined the conversation to be because Daniel was saying the writing's fine Daniel the writer mm-hmm. was saying writing is of course important but it's all about the actor saying the words. It's all about, like, he was writing on The Mentalist at that time, and it was um, Simon, somebody whose name I've now forgotten, uh, was the lead of The Mentalist. I was like, great. It's all about his delivery with his cadence and the look back into the past camera and the raise of the eyebrow. and the, Like, that is what makes this role. Anything we write is fine, but he makes it. And then from the flip side, Jeff was saying, no, that's completely wrong. You can be the best actor <laughs> in the world, and if the worlds aren't right, you're always going to be terrible. So, it, and it was it was so delightful to watch these two kind of, you know, high powered professionals <laughs> arguing <laughs> each other's points. It was delightful. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, very very funny. Um, but I think it does. Obviously, it, it begins at the casting process, and I think it is. You're right to talk about that as far as taking the, and I think it's it's always important for actors to hear that it so much of casting is about, Oh wait, this sounds kind of like the voice I heard in my head when I thought of this mm-hmm. role or like you say, Oh, that wasn't quite what I thought, but actually this is great. And it is, it's a very quick process, especially, you know, you know, we've cast things with kind of 10, 15, 20 people in them, you know, at that level, you're not, you're moving relatively quickly through lots of lots of casting, lots of auditions, and realizing, oh wait, it's not, it, it's nothing personal about for the to the actor. It's simply a this take is in line with kind of what I thought it would be or not. Yeah. Um, despite the fact there are plenty of people who could play it very professionally, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're talking about this specifically in the context of audio, and it's probably worth uh, circling back to mm-hmm. um, you know other other types of things where there are other factors like the way someone might look or the you know the, yeah. the body language or you know kind of other other visual elements. But I think in audio in particular, um, you know, it is so much just a 
you know, it, it, it's one element of the the performance that an actor would bring to a, a you know a visual medium. Um, so probably even more so the kind of immediate you know right or wrong or yes or no process because you're just completely focused on like this delivery, this way of yes. you know giving a performance, this take on the character. So instantly comes across as the way that it's going to be received in the final product. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think that does. Yeah. No, it's all the more you're right. It, it's, it's, it, it's all the more cutthroat is the wrong word, but it's all <laughs> the more rapid. The process is all the more rapid when it's voiceover. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously casting up, you know, the, 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 the little things that we did kind of animation tests we were doing just recently and things mm -hmm. like that. Like that is um, several different voices coming in there, several of which were great. And yeah. like, oh, well, OK, I, I, I'm sad that I only get to play with one of these people right. um, because they're both fantastic. Yeah, you know? exactly. And then there's the, you know, the, the, the fact that once you've done a number of these things, you start to have a, a little bit of a kind of go to um, you know, group people. So I think now, now we're at the point where there are many times where we're like, oh, that person from that other thing would be perfect for this. Um, you know, yes. and so that, that's that's probably both a positive and a negative for the. And a negative. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the series we're kind of working on completing right now. God. Yeah. No. Of the of the four major roles, three of them came from existing yeah. actors that we had worked with repeatedly. One we went outside to cast for, and he was great. Yeah. Um, and then even the minor supporting roles, the kind of three minor roles, are all being cast internally as well. So yeah. Yeah, no, that does pose its own challenge. <laughs> and and that guy that we went outside for, who was great, immediately when we finished that session, we were like, okay, put him in the list for future stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, hundred percent. It's a little, uh, little. I I don't want to use the word, but a, a little incestuous in that regard. <laughs> it's a little incestuous, it totally is. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. But so. It's fun. So that's a lot about casting. I mean, in the actual directorial process, um, I think, you know, you and I having mostly done this audio stuff together, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, kind of developed a, a, a bit of a process of working through this, which I find to be incredibly enjoyable. We, we've done it in the studio yeah. in the past. You know, as Adam said, we've done most of it, actually all of it remotely <laughs> over the past year. This last year. <laughs> um, which is interesting because you do feel like there's a, there as everyone has acclimated to that, you know, we've gotten a lot of the kind of like, let me get set up in my closet and this is my space. And, you know, <laughs> like everyone, mm -hmm. everyone who's doing this kind of voiceover work has had to kind of create their own little home uh, recording booth. Yeah. Um, and it has to be said for kind of relatively large projects. I mean, we were doing yeah. that on on Creep, Creep Show as well. Of course. Oh, exactly. I mean, it was, yeah. You know, two of there was there was Joey and Kiefer in a, the quietest room in their houses they could find, and then it was yeah. um, uh, the fantastic other actress whose name I've not forgotten. Um, uh, yes. literally in her closet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and that's uh, Joey Joey King and Kiefer Sutherland, just to go ahead and shamelessly name drop. Um, yes, 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 <laughs> from true. the Creep Show Halloween special that we uh, directed yeah. this that past directed. year. Yeah. Very <laughs> Check it out on Shutter. Dun dun dun. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and actually, I, I do want to share a little anecdote about that at the end because I, I definitely uh, took took a lesson from it. Um, <laughs> um, but back to kind of the the normal directing process. So I think you know we've done this in live action as well. Um, but I think, you know, I, I really like the the feeling that, you know, when we get into these situations, like we certainly have something in mind or something that we're trying to capture as far as a performance. Or I don't know how you think about this because we've never really talked about this. It's one of the things I love about the podcast is that we end up kind of having a deeper dive into some of these things where we found a kind of natural rhythm on things, but we've never really and talked I'm about sure like, how we got there. You know, yeah. yeah. Like what is that? Where did that come from? How did we get there? Um, so, you know, it's like, I always go into it feeling like it, I'm paying more attention to the arc of the story and the arc of the characters than I am the specific line reading as a kind of starting point. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I think that given that, you know, I try to find ways to talk about, and, you know, sometimes more successfully than others, but, you know, try to talk about kind of what are we trying to accomplish here less than, um, you know, what do I want you to say or how do I want you to say it? And, and, and there are times where, you know, a line reading or some version of a line reading comes up. But the goal for me, at least, is to try to communicate you know, what is the emotional state of this that's happening right now? And how does that feed into the larger arc or the larger story um, that we're trying to tell? Um, where, yes. where is your, where, where is your head in kind of that beginning process? And as we kind of dive in with people. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's about finding the rhythm of the character and mm-hmm. finding the, just the cadence of the performance. And so I think what I do like doing wherever possible, I like, running at scenes kind of together as much as possible. So yeah. what often ends up happening is I will end up kind of reading whatever role is opposite the, the actor that we're recording. Mm-hmm. Because I feel if, it, if at all possible, getting the flow of the scene down helps them, helps us figure out what exactly is going to be. Also definitely highlights where dialogue isn't working as well as we thought it was going to. And I think yeah. that is always important to be flexible with, you know, there are going to be specific lines that you want to hit in a certain way because they serve the, the greater story. And then there's a lot of the time we are very open with the actors and saying kind of, if this feels unnatural, you don't have to say it this way. Try it, yeah. make it your own, make, you know, play with it, make sure it flows and feels right. And then they'll, you know, often say things like, oh God, no, that doesn't work at all. Yeah. How about this? <laughs> try this, try it. You know, yeah. but you only really get there once you've heard it out of the mouth of the person whose voice is going to end up being this this role. And yeah. I think that's that's kind of a fun discovery process. It is a really fun discovery process, and and that's where I would have to side with uh, with um, uh, uh, Daniel on the question of <laughs> writing versus performance, mm-hmm. because I think you know often things look really good or sound really good, even to you know to myself when we've written stuff on the page. And then you hear it out loud by someone who is really a, a you know gifted performer, and you're like, oh god, that does not sound good, or it doesn't work, or it doesn't actually fit even the character or the story. Um, and I think it is. It, there's often a not often, but there are many times kind of a dramatic difference between you know what how, how it reads and how it sounds. Um, and I think yes. you know we often end yes. up you know rewriting you know in the session. Um, you know, collectively, often with the actor as well. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's all part of the process. I it think is. it's, yeah. 
it, it makes it's it's so enjoyable doing that. Yeah. Um, and that also then comes down to the hiring and, and getting the right people to come in and play the roles because mm-hmm. they'll have an opinion if they know what they're doing. Then it's always worth listening to. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, and then you know, purely directorially, you kind of obviously, Evan, you you know, if I'm reading, I'm not listening quite as much. What I have got down is the that's a director I work with on a show called uh, The Real O'Neill. So I love called Todd Holland. And he, and a lot of directors do this, obviously, but he, as he's watching the performance, he's able to be writing notes next to the specific lines Mm -hmm. as he's watching the performance on camera. And so I find I very much adopt that so that as we're working through stuff together, even as I'm reading, I'll be making little checks next to their lines. And going into a session, I highlight the scripts on the iPad with their lines. So I know exactly which ones I'm kind of looking at. And... I'll use the same script, but I'll use different colored highlighters and then different colored ink yep. for each character so that it's very easy to go back through and pull out, oh, it's purely mechanical, this part of the process, but at least in then in post, when you hand it off to your sound designer, they're like, oh, take three of the second full run-through, that was the one, or take, yes. you know, number one, number two, and then we go, you know, so we do a couple of run-throughs, and then we go and kind of punch in and, and grab specific lines, and as we're going through, I'm like, oh, it's take one, it's take two. No, this one didn't work, so I'll star it. And then we'll know to go back and do, okay, let's get two or three variations on this one. Yep. And then I'll make a note of, like, isolated number one, number two, or number three is what we think. Yeah. And we tend to be pretty, when we're lucky, we tend to be pretty in sync on what those things are. Absolutely. Um, which is yep. kind of nice. Well, I think that's fun, too, is, like, I think the process that has evolved is, like, we'll do the run-through. We'll both kind of be making notes or, or you know, jotting down ideas, or I'll often be kind of, like, crossing things out or circling things that I want to try something else with. Um, and then, you know, we'll just kind of take turns punching back in on specific lines or, you know, trying to trying to tweak stuff or come at something from a slightly different angle or experiment with something. And I feel like that's part of the fun is, you know, as, as a as a team is that, you know, we get to not only play off the actor, but play off of each other. Um, and so yeah. it's, it's like kind of like yeah. team, team discovery process where, you know, you'll see something that I didn't, or, you know, hopefully vice versa. And then, and then that will spark oh, something yeah. else and, you know, kind of ultimately get us someplace that I think we ultimately always feel is the, the best of everyone involved. Yes. And uh, Miana has actually raised her hand. So I oh, wanna, I bring, her, bring her up. <laughs> Hi, Miata. Hi. <laughs> Hello. You uh, you raised your hand. And, and, I and did. Yes. I raised my hand because I want to chime in firmly on the side of Jeff <laughs> and say that you know I feel pretty strongly that Daniel his position is assuming. A basic, strong level of writing. Yeah. Right? And Mm -hmm. I absolutely feel like there are times I will watch uh, a film on television or a television show, and I will just feel so deeply for the actors because I feel (laughs) it does not matter. There is absolutely no way they could make this dialogue sound lifelike, sound good, bring it to life, right? So 
personally, as an actor, I think there's no greater gift than strong writing. And obviously then, if we have skill and training, um, hopefully we're going to really do that work justice. Um, but I think without a basic, uh, strong level of writing, and then obviously you guys are speaking to the process of collaboration. And I think, yes, you know, certainly you might be working with a writer on a script and they have a strong character. They have a strong plot, a strong story, but some of the dialogue is clunky. And working with an actor, you're going to be able to finesse that and, and make, you know, adjustments. But brilliant writing, we don't have to finesse. It really just leaps, you know, off the page and, and into life. I mean, I, I think that totally makes sense. I'm curious for you, first of all, do you want to name names of the shows that you think are terrible? No, <laughs> <not>. <laughs> all right, just checking. Uh, and then and then where where's the balance, though? Like, I think like I, I like Alan Sorkin's writing, for example, but you hear, you know, many anecdotes of people just saying like how challenging it is to deliver that dialogue or how how not real that dialogue is. So, I mean, where's the balance? Like, does that just become like, this is really well written, but it's challenging. And that's part of the in, almost enjoyment of it. Or do you reach a point where you're just like, okay, like, I just want to make this more natural, despite the fact that it's beautifully written. That's a really, really interesting question, you know, because of course I think Aaron Sorkin's writing is brilliant and would love as an actor to have the opportunity to bring it to life. Um, I, I guess, I don't know, Evan, I think I feel like maybe in an ideal world, that's always the collaboration, mm -hmm. right? So in an ideal world, the writing is strong, you've got strong actors, and sure, not every piece of dialogue is going to be, uh, it's going to be necessarily right, right? But yeah. I do feel, I guess I'd want to see an example of excellent writing that... I would struggle with as mm -hmm. an actor because then I would wonder, okay, where's the struggle? Is the struggle that the language is challenging? Is the struggle that the pacing is challenging? Is the struggle that the writing is brilliant, but the characters are, don't feel real and their stories, they're, backstories are hard to find and kind of bring to life i i i that would that to me would be a really interesting conversation to sort of look at a script like that yeah and debate you know debate what would help an actor bring it to life i you that that sounds like another podcast <laughs> yes let's do it <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, that's interesting. That's I, I appreciate that perspective as well. Um, okay, cool. 
Well, we've we've I mean, got we've got some Jeffs and we've got some Daniels and 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 uh, we we um, insinuated it, but Miata is Adam's lovely, talented uh, wife. Mm -hmm. And um, do you want to say anything else about who you are? And and uh, you've worked with both of us on some of these shenanigans before. Um, how how has <laughs> I, that process been for you? I have, and it really is a lot of fun. I, dangerous I, path to go down. Yeah, here. <laughs> we're, we're two different rooms of the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you're hoping to not keep it that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I mean, you guys know I love what you're up to. You don't necessarily do projects that are like, oh my gosh, this these are the characters that I Actually, I, I don't want you to return to the audience yet because oh. this special episode of Mythmakers is unofficially sponsored by Abundance Bound. And uh, I would also love for you to talk just for a second. This will be a sidetrack in our topic, but something I think is really important <laughs> and wonderful about what you're doing, uh, which is your own company and kind of the, the difference that you're making in the world, especially in these times where people are trying to figure out how to make everything work. So talk about Abundance Bound for a minute and anyone that finds this uh, in podcast form or elsewhere, um, you know, why, what they should be paying attention to and, and why they maybe want to get in touch with you. Well, I would love to uh, talk for a minute about Abundance Bound because I agree with you that, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I think that the work that we're doing has always been important, but I think it is more important now um, than ever. Um, so Abundance Bound is a financial education company, and we focus very specifically and very powerfully, I think, on helping people from all walks of life really develop a relationship with their money that allows them to thrive in everything that they are up to in the world. So I, I feel very strongly that, you know, obviously you can't go into any bookstore without tripping over hundreds, hundreds of um, financial management books. Um, and yet money is something that almost everybody struggles with. And I believe, we believe at Abundance Bound that it's a combination of things that we need to be looking at. Of course, we need to be looking at the practical skills and tools and tips and ideas for how you manage your money, how you earn more of it, how you build 
financial stability and wealth. And we offer all of those tips and tools, I think, in a really manageable, um, accessible way. But we also really have to be looking at our money as an actual relationship that we have. Um, and I think if, if we look at it that way, most of us would have to acknowledge that it's not a particularly healthy relationship. So um, Adam knows, Evan, that I use our marriage um, as, a, as an example as to how I want people to look at their relationship with money. And, you know, Evan, as you know, Adam and I are married uh, almost 24 years and we got married three months after we met. Um, but if I were to say, you know, look at us, we're now married 24 years and therefore I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to think about that relationship or work on that relationship anymore. You would, of course, think me ridiculous, right? <laughs> uh, yes, right. And, yes, and yet many of us, we don't think about our relationship with money the same way we think about our relationships with people who we love and care about. So you and I know that, you know, we have to show up to our partnerships with attention, with balance, with a willingness to keep learning, with a sense of humor, of course, with love, with honesty, with boundaries, right? Like we could go on and on and on about the list um, that's necessary in order for a relationship to thrive. And at Abundance Bound, what we do is we really practically get you into action around how you're going to show up to your relationship with money with all of those same things. So how do you show up to your relationship with money with time and attention and balance and a sense of humor and boundaries and honesty um, so that this relationship that you do not have a choice whether or not to have is a relationship that is abundant and joyful and that supports everything that you're up to in the world. Amazing. The the uh, yes. sexiest well the sexiest uh, episode of MythMakers yet, and a good a good description. <laughs> I you know as you were talking though, this is not you know this this is going more in this direction, but I think it's it is important as you were talking. I wonder, um, you know that that concept of having a, a relationship with your money. I, it feels like there's an element of that which you could almost suggest is. I mean, maybe you can say what, how much you've seen this, but is actually mappable, uh, if that's a word, to the relationship that you have with people or to other things in your life. That it's it's not just a, you know, thing that's um, sectioned off necessarily by itself. That you know, if you're someone that is very attentive in your relationship, you know, your your romantic relationship or friendships, or you know, has that kind of ongoing desire to 
uh, work on it and build on it and, and pay attention to it, you know, maybe it's easier to kind of see that that's the kind of activity that would lead to a stronger uh, financial outcome. Um, whereas if you're someone that isn't driven in that way or hasn't put those pieces together in the same way, I, I wonder if there is some sort of a correlation there just in the way we conduct ourselves in relationship in general um, and, and as opposed to it being sort of an isolated thing. You know, I wouldn't, I don't believe that I really, that we really see that. Okay. I do believe, here's what I do believe. I do believe that your relationship with money has an impact on virtually every other relationship mm -hmm. that you have in your life. I think it, it impacts your relationship with your loved ones, your family, your friends, certainly your partners. It impacts your relationship with your career, with your creativity, your relationship with your art. I think it impacts your relationship with time. It impacts your relationship with self. It certainly impacts your relationship with your overall health and well-being. Mm -hmm. So I definitely believe that it has an impact. I think, though, that the fundamental issue is that most of us, even if we are people who have perhaps a healthy relationship with our career or we have a healthy relationship with our friends or our family members, loved ones, right? I do think that the minute your attention is drawn to the fact that you also have a relationship with money, I definitely think you'll have an easier time recognizing the ways that you perhaps have been treating your financial relationship poorly, mm -hmm. right? But I think that the truth is, is that the way we're raised, the way this sort of society works, I think that most of us have really never looked at money in that way. Yeah. And so we, we feel like somehow we can ignore it, we can kind of put it over in this box, and if we focus on the other things, particularly our relationship with our career, right, we feel like the money will just follow. So I, I think there are lots of people who have healthier relationships in other aspects of their lives who have been extremely neglectful, who have been treating money like kind of a one-night stand, <laughs> if even that, right? right. Um, but but it's, I do believe that there can be an incredibly powerful shift that happens by recognizing not only is it a relationship, but it's a relationship you don't get to choose. Yeah. You do not get to walk away from it, right? So I think once we recognize that, then most of us will say, huh, a relationship I have to have? Okay, well then do I want it to be healthy or do I want it to be toxic and soul-sucking? And most of us will say, we want it to be healthy, but that's not magic, yeah. right? Then we need to actually do the work consistently and constantly to get it there. And that's what I think Abundance Bound 
I think that's what we do really well, is we help you not only to acknowledge that this is a relationship you'll have your whole life, but we provide the support, the guidance, the community, the fun um, to help you do that in a way that is really um, sustainable long term. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So where, where do people find out more? How do they get involved with what you're doing? Abundancebound.com. Boom. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's where you'll find us. And, you know, I am super passionate and what I'm going to really direct people to is our financial empowerment program because our financial empowerment program is a ridiculously affordable way for you to be on this journey, on this lifelong journey. It is a place where we work on your money mindset. We work on your money management. And we also work on how you make more money. So I feel like it is all of the pieces um, you know, brought together in one financial home. Um, and that's how I hope people will see Abundance Bound. I hope that, you know, you can view Abundance Bound as your financial home. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. Very important uh, in these these transitioning moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. But thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to be a sponsor of Macroverse <laughs> and also for giving me an opportunity to to share a little bit about what we're up to. No, thank you. Thank you. And, and, uh, for joining the directorial conversation as well. Um, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, awesome. Well, Adam, anything else about kind of the directing topic as we circle back on, uh, on the original conversation, anything else that's come to mind for you? I mean, no, not really. I think it is, um, you know, I, I think the, biggest thing is that uh, I think in terms of the, from the actor's perspective it is it is for the audition process it's very much taking taking the emotion out of it because so much of it is about just oh this this sounds right feels right for yeah. the role mm -hmm. um, and then trusting I think once you get in the room having the confidence to 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 play the role and but also to express your opinions about the words on the page and what's going on and how you're saying them and and I think my my get you know I'm sure there are, I know there are directors that are very kind of rigorous with how they want things to come across but I think a lot of the time it is that discovery process and yeah. so having coming in having an opinion is always going to be you know having your strong take on this thing is only ever going to serve you and in the audition process too it's like great have a strong opinion about what this character is and this role should be and it's either going to fit with with the with the director's kind of thoughts on that or, or not mm -hmm. what i think is is never helpful is the kind of beige version of of a role yeah. um thinking oh if i'm neutral maybe it'll help it's like no neutral really rarely does mm -hmm. you know um yeah. Like, I don't know. Does that seem reasonable? That seems very reasonable. I think that's a that's a very applicable comment to you. I think pretty much every creator and creative endeavor. Um, yes. Is, you know, it's like you, you, rightly or wrongly, 
make a choice and have a take. <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, exactly. I think as, as we look at, you know, things that we're getting pitched for Macroverse, as we look at the things that we're choosing to spend time on with other creators, I mean, we've seen a lot of really good material, but there are certainly the ones that have popped that we've, you know, made the choices even just in the past few months. So, like, these are the things that feel like, you know, yes. we can have the greatest impact with and that we think can have the greatest impact for the you know creators or collaborators. And they are all from mm -hmm. very much from that point of view of like there's something about this which you know stands out. Um, and so I just I think yes. that's applicable kind of across the board. Um, oh, totally. And I think, yeah. yeah, no, and I think the other thing, obviously, which I think is not as relevant with actors and especially in the kind of voiceover role where I think it does so much of it's about, oh, does this sound right? I think in the broader creative conversation, it's also about timing. Yeah. It's, does what I'm, what, does, is the thing that I am pitching, uh, does it, A, is it good so that it have a compelling story and a kind of compelling vision for what this, this show or this series could be, but also, is it the right time for whatever company I'm pitching at that they are looking for something like what I'm presenting. Yeah. Um, because so much of that is comes down to, you know, we've certainly seen plenty of projects in the last, we've been lucky enough to be pitching, have, have been pitched several things where it's like, oh, this is really good. It just doesn't fit with, given what we're looking for and given what the money we got to spend right now and how we're positioning it and what we're doing, this looks great, is really good, not right for us at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's, again, in terms of taking the emotion out of it for, for creators in general, just knowing that that is a factor in here that is a total crapshoot, and you yeah. have no idea what is going on in people's heads that that are receiving this. Yeah, uh, it's a very yeah. good point. It's a good point for all of us in creative worlds to remember. And, and and actually, I hadn't quite put it together in that exact way that you know, no doesn't re really and truly no doesn't mean it's not good or even necessarily I don't like it. Um, it yes. really often is just no right now for some reason. Or exactly. Other, and you may never know what those reasons are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So for anyone listening, the, the other, the other kind of one thing that I thought of, which might be interesting to talk about, um, <laughs> is, you know, I mean, we've done a decent amount of this now over the past decade, especially in the audio side, you know, actually going back to, um, Supremacy, which was our kind of oh, first yeah. first uh, motion comics video game project, where uh, M2, the the company prior to Macroverse, um, you know, kind of the first major project there, um, and you know that was kind of the first one where we really did a lot of uh, <clears throat> directing of of in that case not even actors, real people telling their stories, which is a whole different microcosm. Um, but I think what might be interesting is, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, you know, a lot of people would be coming to this podcast from the comics world or from the notion of wanting to kind of branch out into other creative endeavors or mediums. Um, and so, you know, I think when I think back about kind of the, the milestones in especially directing for audio, but directing in general that we've done together, um, it may, may be useful to just think about like, you know, let's say you get the chance to do that first thing. Um, you know, what are some of the things to kind of keep in mind? I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of it, but I think 
the for me the biggest thing that was really helpful in that first project and especially the first few projects um, and it may be it may may be very much the reason that I act the way that I do now with uh, actors is is kind of leaning into let's figure this out together. So you know having a having a strong point of view, kind of knowing again sort of my my place of kind of my my viewpoint, kind of keeping an eye on the overall story um, is kind of my my overarching viewpoint. Um, but then in the midst of the kind of take to take or moment to moment, um, you know, working with actors, you know, I, I, I've really tried to embrace the kind of collaborative nature of it. Um, and, and that is a, 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 we will wrap up with the anecdote that I promised where that got me in a little bit of trouble, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I think that's a good place to start for people that are, you know, getting the chance to kind of direct their first thing is like, you know, kind of what we said, you want to have a really strong point of view for what you're looking for. You want to be able to make those decisions. Is this what I want or is this not what I want? Um, and then, you know, my recommendation inside of that is be as open and flexible as you can be to finding the thing that is going to give you what you want, but is also what you can get um, with the person that you're working with. What would you, what would yes. you add to that? Yes. No, and I, I, you're right. Kind of adjusting. If you're in a situation where you, you essentially, you, if you don't have the complete choice in a cast from a casting perspective, so that you are kind of, you know, assigned essentially kind of assigned actors either as voice talent or as or as or obviously on camera um for, that can happen for a kind of variety of reasons it is it, yeah it, i think very much le leaning into whatever strengths they have and if necessary then simplifying around that to get something an end result that works and works well you know because ultimately yeah. that's that's what matters you know yeah. yeah yeah no i think that's a very totally valid totally valid very cool. So, so here's my anecdote, and and I'll give Miata some credit in this one too. So, you know, we've we've done a bunch of these over multiple years, and this we mentioned Creepshow, uh, in this uh, Halloween special that is on Shutter right now, still available. Very cool. Definitely should watch it. Um, and one of the actors that we got the chance to work with on that is someone that is very seasoned. You know, has been a not just professional actor, but a well known. Uh, person in the world of film and television, um, kind of coming in and doing a favor to some degree, but also did a phenomenal job uh, on the show. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I have definitely said over the years multiple times as we've been working with people is, you know, kind of, or and it's been a, a feeling that has, that I've expressed in these terms, which is, you know, kind of as we do this process of getting uh, kind of a run at a particular section of a script and we get kind of a first take and a second take. And often we'll do kind of two to three run throughs, um, you know, with often Adam reading the, the off camera or, um, you know, non person that we're recording characters uh, dialogue. Um, and, you know, that has always the last thing you want is me on camera. Well, I was going to say it just makes everyone feel like it just makes everyone feel like they're on a BBC show, but 
but uh, but you know I've always felt like that process because it does feel collaborative to me. It feels like you know I've I've always kind of looked at that like we're honing in on something together. We're finding something together, and I guess. The, what I mean when I say that is that you know the actor is bringing their choices as you know to the performance, and I'm looking at that as this kind of broader thing of like what is the you know what is the story, what's the arc, what's the character meant to be going through in this moment compared to later or in other places in the script, um, and so you know that always feels to me like it's kind of like tuning a dial to the right place that we're gonna kind of arrive in a location together. Um, and I said that, you know, something along those lines to the person that we were working with. And it was an immediate, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm making choices, <laughs> either like these choices or you don't like these choices, but there's no finding it. Like, these are like scalpel, like, you know, intentional distinctions. <laughs> and it was, a, it was definitely a moment where I was like, huh, okay, I guess I'm going to not talk right now you go ahead and do your thing and it was awesome <laughs> so um that that definitely changed that my perspective fun. on that as we've as we've gone forward and it was uh i i'm sure i'll remember that moment forever <laughs> <laughs> um yes no that was funny and it's and it was an interesting talk to me either after and a couple of other actors obviously as, as well saying kind of yes and no to that discovery process yeah yeah um, um and often obviously these the it's funny because i think i've seen it both ways with kind of high powered actors where you get both there is the very strong initial choice and then there also is a, a certain amount of discovery too and, and the the varying degrees with which that that happens or people are happy with that process yeah is, uh, is always kind of exciting yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> and let me say unequivocally that where it all landed was fantastic was so fantastic yeah no, it's, it, was a great it's, it was awesome and that experience was awesome in every way so um oh, shame, yeah. shameless oh, plug yeah. again go watch the creep show halloween special it's lots of fun yes um definitely so cool. Well, this was fun. Um, I think, you know, we'll continue to do these rooms on uh, Sunday evenings. So evenings, if you're yep. on Clubhouse, uh, five o'clock um, Pacific time, time. Um, yep. we will continue to do these rooms live. And sometimes there will just be us. And sometimes there may be other people that join in. And sometimes we'll invite specific people to join in, especially as we're talking Indeed. about um, new series that are coming out on Macroverse or other things that we have cooking. Um, there's a lot of that, a lot of stuff cooking in the kitchen right now. Can't wait to talk more about oh, it. Yes. <laughs> so Very um, stuff. Yes. if you, if you haven't, if you're hearing this and somehow haven't checked out Macroverse, uh, please do so. This is our future of digital comics app that is currently on iOS and Android. There is about 40 plus series that we've launched at mm -hmm. this point. Uh, over 400 episodes of content and so much more new stuff coming on uh, every week. And man, the stuff that we have planned just on that side of what we're working on between now and the end of the year is so incredibly exciting. exciting. Some really cool yep. creators, some really cool projects. So I uh, definitely can't encourage anyone hearing the sound of our voices to run to the App Store and Google Play <laughs> and uh, download Macaverse, grab yourself a subscription, read everything that's on the app, and just buckle up because 
baby this is just the yep. beginning <laughs> oh, so, yes. Oh, yes. Um, oh yes so as we like to end these oh and adam uh i heard this term that i'm about to say on a tv show tonight for the first time Are ever i am serious I, I i wished i could uh it's a it's a show on hbo i just watched the first episode first two episodes of it i'll look up the the name of the show it doesn't really matter for the context but one of the characters actually said this word and i was like <gasps> <laughs> and it is a British show and a British character. So there now it's like, it's, okay, it's not just, it's me, not just you. It's, it's come from somewhere, but I'm going to still give you the credit for it because in my mind where I immediately went was they've heard an episode of our podcast and they liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with that explanation, but could you please tell anyone listening what a hujimo flip is? A hujima flip is, yes, a hujima flip is kind of the word, obviously it's a British word, but it's uh, whatever is kind of top of mind, but you've forgotten the exact name of, um, you know, so in Evan's case, his hujima flip might well be this show that he's forgotten, <laughs> of, for example. Um, so yes, that is a hujima flip. It's it's something that is that is relevant and you're excited about and can't quite remember the details. Yes, yes, yes. Generally for us, it tends to be a media thing. Um, or a pop culture thing, but it uh, can be anything. So mine is actually not going to be that show. Instead, it is going to be Cherry, um, which Ooh. is the new movie starring Tom Holland, directed yes. by the Russo brothers, just came out on Apple TV Plus this weekend. And uh, after the kids went to sleep and everyone was asleep last night, I stayed up and watched that. Um, and it was very interesting. It's... it's um, it's it's cool to see the Russos having so masterfully taken the reins of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, kind of return to directing with something so completely different. Um, I also couldn't help but feel like this is a movie that is really in the sweet spot, for lack of a better way to say it, in the streaming conversation right now where... It feels like that kind of cool, interesting, mid-budget movie that probably would have a harder time doing well in theaters in the current climate, COVID aside. Um, yes. So it, it feels like kind of that perfect, you know, mid-tier movie that, you know, is just kind of no longer what the studios are making, but was a really enjoyable watch um, on Apple TV. Um, that being said, without spoiling anything, um, I felt a little unsatisfied with the way that it ended, but incredibly satisfied with the journey up until that point. So I would definitely give it a, a recommend. And I think Tom Holland is just really showing that he can go from uh, amazing, fun, quirky teenage Spider-Man to really interesting, intense character drama uh, in a pretty magnificent way. Nice. Quite a so swing, if you'll allow it. Um. <laughs> we really, we really won't allow it. I fear. I feel. Well, I feel we shouldn't allow it. We probably have allowed it at this point. But you know, um, it's very fun. They're very good. Very good. <laughs> nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's great. Um, so I think for me, actually, who do my favorite for me is. Um, my son has got into anime in the last kind of six months you know, in quite a big way, to the degree which he's kind of you know, bought his own Crunchyroll uh, subscription and things like that. Um, and he is obsessed by the series Attack on Titan, mm. 
which has been kind of in the anime awards is garnering all sorts of stuff and their episodes appeared on the cover you know, in those those lists of the ten best anime episodes ever, they're occupying kind of seven of the slots. Yes. Um, and so he's been showing so kind of catching up with season two into season sorry, season three, now into season four, and it's coming out on a weekly cadence, which is driving him, of course, berserk because <laughs> he's not used to having to wait for television in this way. Right. Um and um it's really I it's funny, I think I had always I was never into anime. I think I was, I, you know, obviously enjoyed some of the kind of some of the classic movies, but all of them being twenty years ago now, right? Twenty plus years ago, in terms of Akira and, and Ghost in the Shell and various things like that. Um, really enjoying the you know, storytelling and good, good character development and shifting, to, you know, action is fantastic and shifting allegiances and, and motivations and all that kind of fun stuff. Like it's just great. It's great television. Awesome. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, I think that's, I'm, I am becoming slightly addicted addicted to that, which is amusing to me. That is so, very yes. cool. Yeah, I have heard nothing but good things about Attack on Titan and have yet to uh, watch any of that myself, but sounds like a place to yeah. go. Oh, it's pretty great. It's yeah. for you, I think, really enjoy it. I'm You'll sure, really I'm it. sure. Um, it's funny, I went through, it, I mean, I went through a pretty big manga phase when mm. I was about, uh, I guess it was when it started. I mean, honestly, it's probably when it started to show up in comic stores because that's certainly where I would have found it. Um, yes. And so that would have been kind of seventh, eighth, ninth grade for me. There were a handful of um, you know manga series that showed up and that I that I really got into to the point that I you know went through a little phase of trying to draw that style in my uh, oh, you know, illustration development. Um, and then that all got supplanted by, uh, by image and all the, the crazy awesomeness of the nineties. But, um, of course. but yeah, I mean, there, there is a, there's a, there's, this, this would be an interesting deep dive for another episode too, especially if we could get a, a good guest to come on and talk about it. But the culture of anime and manga beyond the storytelling, just the way that that is produced and the. Um, much more studio-esque style of um, yes. crafting that stuff is really pretty fascinating if you're not familiar with it. Um, so we'll, we'll tee that one up for another time and look for somebody that can no, kind of bring an insider's point of view on mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, awesome. Well, lots of great stuff. This was really fun. Miata, thank you that's again uh, for jumping yes. in and, and uh, putting some, some light on what we were talking about and also sharing about what you're up to. Um, so once again, uh, check out Abundance Bound also. Um, download Macroverse also. Um, yes. And uh, we'll wrap that up for this week, we'll but uh, always a pleasure. Um, yes, and, indeed, uh, indeed. Again, we'll be back for another live recording five o'clock uh, next week Pacific. on Clubhouse. Next Sunday. Yes, indeed. indeed. Brilliant. Awesome. Have a great uh, evening. You oh, too. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye. -bye. Bye.